0: Hey guys, welcome back to the book reading. So, right now we're in chapter three how to build better habits in four simple steps. In 1898, a psychologist named Edward Thorndike conducted an experiment that would lay the foundation for our understanding of how habits form and the rules that guide our behavior. Thorndike was interested in studying the behavior of animals, and he started out by working with cats. He would place each cat inside a device known as a puzzle box. The box was designed so that a cat could escape through a door by some simple act, such as pulling out a loop of a cord, pressing a lever, or stepping on a platform. For example, one box contained a lever that, when pressed, would open a door on the side of the box. Once the door had been opened, the cat would dart out and run over to a bowl of food. Most cats wanted to escape as soon as possible as they were placed inside the box. They would poke their no- nose into the corner, stick their paws through the openings, and claw at loose objects. After a few minutes of exploration, the cats would happen to press the magical lev- lever. The door would open, and they would escape. Thorndyke tracked the behavior of each cat's cat across many trials. In the beginning, the animals moved around the box at random. But as soon as the lever had been pressed and the door opened, the process of learning began. Gradually, each cat learned to associate the action of pressing the lever with the reward of escaping the box and getting to the food. After 20 to 30 trials, this behavior became so automatic and habitual that the cat would escape within a few seconds. For example, Thorndike noted, Cat 12 took the following times to perform the act. 160 seconds. 30 seconds. 60 seconds. 16. 15. 28 20, 30, 22, 11, 15, 20, 12, 10, 14, 10, 8, 8, 5, 10, 8, 6, 6, 7. During the first three trials, the cat escaped in an average of 1.5 minutes. During the last three trials, it escaped on an average of 6.3 seconds. With practice, each cat made fewer errors and their actions became quicker and more automatic. Rather than repeat the same mistakes, the cat began to cut straight to the solution. From his studies, Thorndike described the learning process by stating behaviors followed by satisfying consequences tend to be repeated, and those that produce unpleasant consequences are less likely to be repeated. His work provides the perfect starting point for discussing how habits form in our own lives. It also provides answers to some fundamental questions like, what are habits? And why does the brain bother building them at all? Why your brain builds habits. A habit is a behavior that has been repeated enough times to become automatic. The process of habit formation begins with the trial and error. When you encounter a new situation in life, your brain has to make a decision. How do I respond to this? The first time you come across a problem, you're not sure how to solve it. Like Thorndyke's cat. You're just trying out things to see what works. Neurological activity in the brain is high during this period. You are carefully analyzing the situation and making conscious decisions about how to act. You're taking in a ton of new information and trying to make sense of it all. The brain is busy learning the most effective course of action. Occasionally, like a cat pressing on a lever, you stumble across a solution. You're feeling anxious and you discover that going for a run calms you down. You're mentally exhausted from a long day of work and you learn that playing video games relaxes you. You're exploring, 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 and then BAM, a reward. After you stumble across an unexpected reward, you alter your strategy for next time. Your brain immediately begins to catalogue the events that preceded the reward. Wait a minute, that felt good. What did I do right before that? This is the feedback loop behind all human behavior. Try, fail, learn, try differently. With practice, the useless mo- mo- excuse me mo- movements fade away and the useful actions get reinforced. That's a habit forming. Whenever you face a problem repeatedly, your brain begins to automate the process of solving it. Your habits are just a series of automatic solutions that solve the problems and stresses you face regularly. As behavioral scientists, Jay- Jason Rea writes, Habits are simply reliable solutions to reoccurring problems in our environment. As habits are created, the level of activity in the brain decreases. You learn to lock in on cues that predict success and tune out everything else. When a similar situation arises in the future, you know exactly what to look for. There is no longer a need to analyze every angle of a situation. Your brain skips the process of trial and error and creates a mental rule: If this, then that. These cognitive strips, scripts can be followed automatically whenever the situation is appropriate. Now, whenever you feel stressed, you get the itch to run. As soon as you walk in the front door from work, you grab the video game controller. A choice that once required effort is now automatic. A habit has been created. Habits are mental shortcuts learned from your experience. In a sense, a habit is just a memory of the steps you previously followed to solve a problem in the past. Whenever the conditions are right, you can draw on this memory and automatically apply the same solution. The primary reason the brain remembers the past is to better predict what will happen in the future. Habit formation is incredibly useful because the conscious mind is a bottleneck of the brain. It can only pay attention to one problem at a time. As a result, your brain is always working to preserve your conscious attention for whatever task is most essential. Whenever possible, the conscious mind likes to draw or likes to pawn off tasks to the non-conscious mind to do automatically. This is precisely what happens when a habit is formed. Habits reduce cognitive load and free up mental capacity so you can allocate your attention to other tasks. Despite their efficiency, some people wonder about the benefits of habits. The argument goes like this. Will habits make my life dull. I don't want to pigeonhole myself into a lifestyle I don't enjoy. Doesn't so much routine take away the vibrancy and spontaneousness of life? Hardly. Such questions set up a false dichotomy. They make you think that you have to choose between building habits and attaining freedom. In reality... The the two complement each other. Habits do not restrict freedom, they create it. In fact, the people who don't have their habits handled are often the ones with the least amount of freedom. Without good financial habits, you will always be struggling for the next dollar. Without good health habits, you will always be struggling and seem to be short on energy. Without good learning habits, you will always feel like you're behind the curve. If you're always being forced to make a decision about simple tasks, when should I work out, where do I go to write, when do I pay the bills, then you have less time for freedom. It's only by making the fundamentals of life easier that you can create mental space needed for thinking and creativity. Controversially, when you have your habits dialed in and the basics of life are handled and done, your mind is free to focus on new challenges and master the next set of problems. Building habits in the present allows you to do more of what you want in the future. The science of how habits work. The process of building a habit can be divided into four simple steps. Cue, craving, response, and reward. Breaking it down into these fundamental parts can help us understand what habit is, how it works, and how to improve it. This four-step pattern is the backbone of every habit, and your brain runs through runs through these steps in the same order each time. First, there is a cue. The cues trigger your brain to initiate a behavior. It's a bit of information that predicts a reward. Our prehistoric ancestors were paying attention to cues that signaled the location of primary rewards like food, water, and sex. Today we spend most of our time learning cues that predict secondary rewards like money, fame, power, status, praise and approval, love and friendship, or sense of personal satisfaction. Of course, these pursuits always indirectly improve our odds of survival and reproduction, which is the deeper motive behind everything we do. Your mind is continuously analyzing your internal and external environment for hints of where rewards are located. Because the cue is the first indication that we're close to a reward. It naturally leads to the craving. Cravings are the second step. They are the motivational force behind every habit. Without some level of motivation or desire, without craving a change, we have no reason to act. What you crave is not the habit itself, but the change in state it delivers. You don't crave smoking a cigarette. You crave the feeling of relief it provides. You are not motivated by brushing your teeth, but rather by the feeling of a clean mouth. You don't want to turn on the television, but you want to be entertained. Every craving is linked to a desire to change your internal state. This is an important point that we will discuss in detail later. Cravings differ from person to person. In theory, any piece of information could trigger a craving. But in practice, people are not motivated by the same cues. For a gambler, the sound of the slot machines can be a bigger potential trigger that sparks a wave of desire. For someone who rarely gambles, the jingles and chimes of the casino are just background noise. Cues are meaningless until they are interpreted. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions of the observer are what transform the cue into a craving. The third step is a response. The response is the actual habit you perform which can take the form of a thought or an action. Whether a response occurs depends on how you are motivated. How motivated you are and how much friction is associated with the behavior. If a particular action requires more physical or mental effort than you are willing to expend, then you won't do it. Your response also depends on your ability. It sounds simple, but a habit can only occur if you are capable of doing it. If you want to dunk a basketball, you can't jump high, but you can't jump high enough to reach the hoop, well, you're out of luck. Finally, the response delivers a reward. Rewards are the end goal of every habit. The cue is about noticing the reward. The craving is about wanting the reward. The response is about obtaining the reward. We chase rewards because they serve two purposes. One, they satisfy us, and two, they teach us. The first purpose of rewards is to satisfy your cravings. Yes, rewards provide benefits of their own. Food and water deliver the energy to you that you need to survive. Getting a promotion brings more money and respect. Getting in shape promotes and improves your health and dating prospects. But the more immediate benefit is that the reward satisfies you're craving to eat or to gain status or to win approval. At least for a moment, rewards deliver contentment and relief from craving. Second, rewards teach us which actions are worth remembering in your future. Your brain is a reward detector. As you go about your life, your sensory nervous system is continuously monitoring which actions satisfy your desires and deliver pleasure. Feelings of pleasure and disappointment are a part of the feedback mechanisms that help your brain distinguish useful actions from useless ones. Rewards close to the feedback loop and complete the habit cycle. If a behavior is insufficient in any of the four stages, it will not become a habit. Eliminate the cue and your habit will never start. Reduce the craving and you won't experience enough motivation to act make the behavior difficult, and you won't be able to do it. And if the reward fails to satisfy your desire, then you have no reason to do it again in the future. Without the first three steps, a behavior will not occur. Without all four behavior, a behavior will not be repeated. In summary, the cue triggers a craving, which motivates a response, which provides a reward, which satisfies a craving, and ultimately becomes associated with the cue. Together, these four steps form a neurological feedback loop. Cue, craving, response, reward. That ultimately allows you to create automatic habits. This cycle is known as the habit loop. This four step process is not something that happens occasionally, but rather it is an endless feedback that is running and active during every moment you are alive, even now. The brain is continuously scanning the environment, predicting what's going to happen next, trying out different responses and learning from the results. The entire process is completed in a split second, and we use it again and again, without realizing everything that has been packed into the previous moment. We can split these four steps into two phases, the problem phase and the solution phase. The problem phase includes the cue and the craving, and it is when you realize that something needs to change. The solution phase includes the response and the reward, and it is when you take action and achieve the change you desire. All behavior is driven by the desire to solve a problem. Sometimes the problem is that you notice something good and you want to obtain it. Sometimes the problem is that you are experiencing pain and you want to relieve it. Either way, the purpose of every habit is to solve the problem you face. In the tables on the page, you can see a few examples. Imagine walking into the dark room and flipping on the light switch. You have performed this simple habit so many times that it occurs without you thinking. You process through all the four stages in a fraction of a second. The urge to act strikes you without thinking. By the time we become adults, we rarely notice the habits that are running our lives. Most of us never give it a second thought, that we tie the same shoe each morning or unplug the toaster after each use We're always changing to comfortable clothes after getting home from work. After decades of mental programming, we automatically slip into these patterns of thinking and acting. Here's an example. Problem phase number one. You hit a stumbling block on a project at work. Two, craving. You feel stuck and you want to relieve your frustration. Solution phase. Three, response. You pull out your phone and check social media. And four, reward. You satisfy your craving to feel relieved. Checking social media becomes associated with feeling stalled at work. The four laws of behavior change. In the following chapters we will see time time again how the four stages of cue, craving, response, reward influence nearly everything we do each day. But before we do that we need to transform these four steps into a practical framework that we can use to design good habits and eliminate bad ones. I refer to this framework as the four laws of behavior change and it provides a simple set of rules for creating good habits and breaking bad ones. You can think of each law as a lever that influences human behavior. When the levers are in the right positions, creating good habits is effortless. When they're in the wrong ones, it's nearly impossible. We can invert the laws to learn how to break a habit. Inversion of the first law, make it invincible. The second, make it unattractive. The third, make it difficult. And the fourth, make it unsatisfying. And that, again, is to break a bad habit. It would be irresponsible for me to claim that these four laws are an exhaustive framework for changing any human behavior, but I think they're close. As soon, you will see the four laws of behavior change apply to nearly every field, from sports to politics, art to medicine. Comedy to management, these laws can be used no matter what challenge you are facing. There is no need for completely different strategies for each habit. Whenever you want to change your behavior, you can simply ask yourself, how can I make it obvious? How can I make it attractive? How can I make it easy? How can I make it satisfying? If you've ever wondered why don't I do what I say I'm going to do, why don't I lose the way or stop smoking or save from retirement or start that side business? Why do I say something is important but found somewhere in these four laws? Oh, why do I say something is important but found never seem to make time for it? The answer to those questions can be found somewhere in these four laws. The key to creating good habits and breaking bad ones is to understand these fundamental laws and how, they alter, how to alter them to your specifications. Each goal is doomed to fail if it goes against the grain of human nature. Your habits are shaped by the systems in your lives. In the chapters that follow, we will discuss these laws one by one and show you how to use them and how they can, how you can create a system in which good habits emerge naturally and bad habits wither away. Chapter Summary A habit is a behavior that has been repeated enough times to become automatic. The ultimate purpose of habits is to solve the problems of life with as little energy and effort as possible. Any habit can be broken down into the feedback loops that include four steps cue, craving, response, and reward. The four laws of behavior change are a simple set of rules we can use to build better habits 1. Make it obvious, 2. Make it attractive, 3. Make it easy, and 4 make it satisfying. Thank y'all for listening. Until next time, when we can come back together and maybe read another chapter.